There is no other podcast like this, so proceed with caution as we challenge your beliefs by providing the forbidden information kept away from you and your family by modern medicine so they can keep you on the path of drugs for anything and drugs for everything. Hundreds of years of preventative medicine have been destroyed by Big Pharma. We're in the dark ages of true healing. After all, it's not just about living long, it's about living well. If your continuing search for answers has led you nowhere, you will find the truth here on the Forbidden Doctor Podcast. Now prepare to have your consciousness explode into the next evolutionary stage of human existence with your hosts, Dr. Jack and Mary Stockwell. Stockwell. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Jack and Mary again. We're back here, the Forbidden Doctor. Do you want colon cancer? then you better keep your gallbladder. Today, we're going to talk about the devastating effects of having your gallbladder taken out and what to do if it is. And by the time we are done, you are going to love your gallbladder. (laughs) But if your gallbladder has already been removed, don't worry, we have the answer. Well, I'm going to tell you a little story to start off with. I had a lady, I will call her Kathy, that's not her name, but I'll call her that. She came in to see me, and this was a lady that had adopted three children in her 50s, her early 50s. She had never been able to have any children, so that right there says she had a lot of endocrine problems and all kinds of different things. So she adopted three children. Two of them turned out to be special needs. So this is really rough, but it was real. Her, she was not a healthy person to begin with, but she came to me and she said, Mary, I can't even get out of bed in the mornings. And she says, I'm really starting to resent my kids, mm. which was scaring her worse than anything because she wasn't planning on having, you know, special needs children and so many problems. She was, had been in the hospital, tests and tests and tests, had taken out things. She had a huge uterine cysts inside of her that she refused to get taken out. And she had had a CAT scan, and the doctors told her that her gallbladder was so bad, it was gangrene. Mm. And they scheduled to have it removed the next day. But she said, nobody's taken anything else out of me, and she got up and just left the hospital. How did they determine from the outside in that the gang that her gallbladder was gangrenous? Well, I have the actual medical report. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. and it said abnormal gallbladder, thick, viscosity. The viscosity was thick right. and numerous gallstones. So but I have that report. Did it say anything about necrosis, necrotic ne- tissue, or gangrenous so. tissue? No, but that's what the doctor told her. And so 11 months later, I have the report also that showed what happened to her gallbladder. So I'll explain that in the oh, very... well, I can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> at the very end. But this lady was so sick when she came to me. I, you know, I did the whole workup I do. It's a four-hour consultation. And she was, you know, listened to the whole thing kind of passively. But she... So she came back a month later when I usually do a follow-up with somebody that's so sick. Right. And she looked at me and she says, Mary, I didn't do one thing you asked me to do. <laughs> and, you know, I meet people where they are. And I said, okay. And... She says, but I'm here. I'm here, Mary. That says something. You're not cheap. No. So she paid for a four-hour consultation with you and then went out and didn't do what you told didn't her to tell, do. But that's okay. She she did get on board, and through the next few um, months, she did exactly what I told her to do, did a wonderful job, and well, great. I'll tell those results at the end of the podcast. But today, we're going to talk about the dangers of getting your, your gallbladder taken out, and I wanted to explain something I've done before on our radio broadcast in Salt Lake City, is, is the wonderful uses of the gallbladder. But here's the, que- here's the problem. We ask doctors the wrong questions. We ask them, what does a gallbladder do? Well, the gallbladder doesn't do anything, really. It is just a bladder. It just holds bile. Now, think of your urine bladder that holds your urine. Yeah, thank goodness. Yes. Aren't you super... I like that hold part. (laughs) Isn't that valve? Yes. And and aren't you glad you have a gallbladder so you're not, you know, urine isn't running down your legs all day long. Now, that's something we can control. We can stop the flow of urine just by thinking about it and, and start it. But also, aren't you super glad that the gallbladder or the liver doesn't just drip bile into your small intestine all day long? Because that's what the gallbladder does. It holds the bile. The bile is used for detoxification and also to help emulsify fats. Now, what's emulsify mean? Break up. Kablam. 
makes it into tiny, itty-bitty <laughs> little globules so it'll mix with water. Yes, so otherwise. So if you, if you make oil and vinegar dressing for dinner. <laughs> Doesn't mix. And you shake it and shake it and shake it, and it's got spices and garlic and oil and vinegar, hopefully apple cider vinegar, hopefully uh, pure organic, organic extra virgin olive oil, and you're shaking those together, if you wait a couple of seconds, they separate right into out. two. However, when we emulsify fats, they become, the little fat globules become so incredibly tiny that it, sneak does, it does mix with water <laughs> or the fluid that's coming through the digestive system, a large part of its water, and then it will mix with it instead of separating like an oil and vinegar shaker on the, on the salad table. And aren't you super glad because it feeds the heart? What that's feeds why, the heart? Fat. Yes. So that's why people that have their gallbladders taken out have leads to heart problems and colon problems, which yes. I'll get to in just a minute. Good. So the gallbladder sits there and holds the bile. The liver produces um, bile all night long, and it dumps it into the gallbladder to be used when you need it. Now, you don't eat fat all day long. No, but I have eggs and bacon or eggs and sausage for breakfast, yeah. organic eggs and uncured bacon. We should eat fat and protein in the mornings. We yes. should not be eating cereals in the mornings or any kind of sugar for that matter. Well, one of the quickest ways to heart attack is to eat breakfast cereal. Yeah. So, and, and another thing, don't eat till you're hungry, if you can. Now with work schedules, that's hard to do, but that's the best thing to do for your digestion is don't eat till you're hungry. A lot of people, a lot of people's digestion doesn't get going until about 10 in the morning. That's inconvenient yeah, true. When, true. when you're working, but you know, do the best you can. But anyway, so the liver makes the bile all night long. It dumps it into the gallbladder. And I'm going to do a real big overview here. You can go into more detail, honey, if you want to, but I'm going to just kind of give this to the man on the street. Simple explanation of what the gallbladder does. So your stomach is supposed to be very, very acidic. And if it's, if that's the big word there. If it's very acidic, as that chyme, as it's called, that food stuff coming out of your stomach down into your small intestine, if it's very acidic, then it stimulates two hormones, secretin and... Cholecystokinin. That's right. And secretin and cholecystokinin tell the gallbladder and the pancreas what to do. Woo. And what do we have in this country but a proliferation of gallbladders being taken out, 600,000 of them a year. Wow. And... Yeah, that's kind of stunning. And pancreatic cancers. Which has a 97% mortality rate. The if you're diagnosed cancers. with pancreatic cancer, get your affairs in order. Yes, because pancre the pancreas produces these very nasty alkaline enzymes. The, they're very, very alkaline, and they, they burn just as much as acid does. And if those breach the walls of the pancreas, you are eaten from the inside out. Ugh. The liver doesn't produce these enzymes, produces other enzymes, but not these. And so you, it takes longer to die from liver cancer. So the stomach is very acidic. The small intestine has to be very, very alkaline. And so when the gallbladder spits out its bile, it can attach to the fat molecules and bust them up. Now, the main organ that changes the pH from acid to, P to alkaline is the pancreas. The pancreas spits out these really alkaline now enzymes. Why, now, why do, I'm sorry to interrupt, why do we want acid at one place and then alkaline at another place, and why does it have to balance it? Because you need acid to break down proteins into peptides, and then down in the small intestine, it has to be very, very alkaline for those peptides to be broken down to amino acids, which are teeny, teeny things, like you were talking about earlier, that can get through the walls of the small intestine into the bloodstream, go reassemble themselves off somewhere and heal your ear, or heal your nose, or that artery that's just about to burst. Most you were looking at my nose when you said that. Is there something <laughs> wrong with my nose? Let me see. Come here, come here. No. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's go back. So the small intestine has to be very, very alkaline. And, this, the, um, and the small intestine is about 15 feet long, and it transitions in from the ileocecal valve into the colon, and that's where it's very, very, or pretty acidic. Um, but the colon has to be acidic because it's a dirty, nasty place down there. We don't want little pockets of inflammation and, and um, infection for the, you know, the, the, the diverticulitis. You know, you can't eat little seeds because those seeds get caught. And also the um, chronic ulcerative colitis. Yes. And, of course, the trend that goes into Crohn's, and Crohn's. disease. And well, ulcerative colitis has ultimate. a great tendency to turn into cancer of the bowel. Yeah. Crohn's and colitis themselves you know, medicinally, you, you are, it's a life sentence yeah. if you go the medical route. Well, not our patients. Not our patients. No. Nope. Lots of stories to tell about that. But, but they'll just take out your colon, you know, 
just boom. Oh, got to take it out. What's this tube here? Take it out. <laughs> what do you need this for? Yeah. Well, that takes me back to the gallbladder. When you ask a doctor, you ask the wrong questions. What does the gallbladder do? Nothing. It just sits there and holds the bile. It does a little things, but regardless, it's just a bladder, just like a bladder, just like your urine bladder. So, you know, you don't use your gallbladder forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, just like I was. That's that's how I was when right. you met me. Right. I detested fat, would not eat fat, cut every speck off, would not put fat on my tuna fish for tuna fish sandwiches. I wouldn't put mayonnaise on. I wouldn't put salad dressings ever on my salads if I ever ate salads, which I hated. Um, but I could not stand fat of any kind. And so... I hated fat by the time you met me, and my gallbladder was so shriveled up and atrophied that when I started eating fat, it went crazy. Do you remember our first don't date? Don't tell them where I asked you to marry me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I won't. Don't, don't tell them. <laughs> One of our first dates took me out to dinner, and you got me something I could never afford, and that was crab legs. And I don't know, I don't think we had lobster, but we had crab legs, and uh, lots of drawn butter. Yes. That was a time I would eat butter. Because who can resist that? And so I ate a whole bunch of butter. I hated you guys. I mean, that night, so much diarrhea, so much cramping. I mean, I'm amazed I didn't go to the hospital for, you know, gallbladder problems. I'm surprised. But I hurt for two days. I mean, it was really bad. So those of you that haven't eaten fat all your, your lives because you're told not to eat fat. Oh, fat's bad. Yeah. No, fat is good. Yes. As fat. long as it's the right fat. It's a good fat. And that was a good fat. That was a saturated animal yeah, fat. Yeah, saturated animal fat is very good. Yeah, and it just made my gallbladder go crazy, kind of like on those gallbladder cleanses that people do that I don't really like because they're too violent, but they can be life-saving for your gallbladder. Yes. So I we do use them occasionally in our clinic. But those of you that haven't eaten fat, your gallbladder will go crazy if you suddenly start eating fat and you could get a stone stuck in the duct and boy that is super super painful so then the doctor will tell you oh we just gotta take out your gallbladder it doesn't do anything or they might even say something which is completely false that you don't need your gallbladder yeah it's mother nature you know just had some extra tissue left over <laughs> what are we gonna, why don't we just put a little bladder right there and the amazing way it concentrates the bile and lets all the, oh, the water so out and fascinating sl- fluid and so the the liver makes about a quart of bile a day yeah it gets dumped into your gallbladder and then it's the water which is 97 percent water it absorbs through the walls the epithelial tissue into the body, and you're left with this beautiful concentration of bile. Did you want to say something? No, no. That, oh. I, you, I, I'm hypnotized. <laughs> so, I thought I knew this stuff. This is great. Go ahead. So, so that's a beautiful thing because when you eat something fat, fatty, your parotid glands in your jaw here, they tag the food. They tag it and say, ooh, there's some fat coming down. Everybody get ready. Ooh, there's, there's you know, calcium coming down. There's B12 coming down. Everybody get ready. That's why we recommend having a half a cup of broth before every meal because it sets up your whole digestive system for yes. the food that's going to come. Yes. Besides making you not crave carbs. So that's a wonderful thing. Instead of having bread before you eat, you know. Try a broth, a half a cup of broth. That's another bit of. Can you imagine a restaurant doing that. Forbidden information. Instead of bringing that unnatural bread that everybody loves, mm-hmm. that you fill up at a nice restaurant with with, uh, hopefully they serve it with butter, real butter. Instead of that, what if they brought you a cup of fresh made broth? There's a broth bar that just opened up in New York City. Really? Yeah. Isn't that brilliant? <clears throat> yeah. Because- Can that be a business expense? If we had a couple of round-trip tickets to New York to check out this broth bar. You know, these paleo diets that everybody's on are just eating way too much meat. We need fat. Fat, fat, fat. Yes. They're eating way too much protein. Paleo is a great way to go. Just make sure you have high fat content in that paleo diet. saturated animal fats. Yes. So anyway, so so your prodiglans tag this fat, and your gallbladder starts contracting and spitting out some bile somewhat until... The food gets down into the small intestine. It really doesn't happen until it stimulates those two hormones and blah, 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 as we talked about before. But regardless, it starts setting up your whole digestive system. You have the biggest disassembly line in the world inside of you. Now, that's another fascinating concept. Yeah, you you can just use that as a tagline somewhere. Think of uh, Henry Ford and what he did to mass production, the assembly line, everything else. All these 10,000, 15,000 parts come in from different parts of the country, end up there at the, at the assembly line of the Ford plant back in Michigan, and all little screws and bolts and 
leather and, and wood. They didn't have any plastic yet. And then on the other end of that assembly line, a Model T comes driving out into a parking lot, getting ready, ready to be delivered to some Ford sales office somewhere around the country. What the digestive system is, was just imagine for a second that Ford going off the assembly line, coming backwards. Decomposing. Yes. As it comes back, (laughs) oh, they take the fenders off. They take the wheels off. They take the brakes off. They start pulling rivets and bolts and (laughs) screws and nuts and the leather and the wood and the wiring and and everything goes back into its little pockets where it's supposed to be. And on the other end, there's no more Ford. <laughs> and it goes back to the dust. Your digestive system is the world's most efficient disassembly plant. That is, that's, that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. And that's forbidden stuff for people to know. Yeah. So your body has to figure this out. You can't figure this out. Remember, you just have the fun job of figuring out what you want to eat. Oh, you get to taste, taste that delicious butter-saturated food. <laughs> that's your job. Yeah. You Everything get, inside will take care of it from there. what you crave is the butter and salt and, you know, and fat, coarse the protein. The fat of life, the yeah, fatness the of fat. the lamb, the fat paycheck, the fat rays. You know, yeah. the, like the, the, these old sayings. The old sayings. And fat people mm. used to be, you know, the, the, the Christy Brinkleys of the world. <laughs> Yes, look at well, Ruben, look at, look at Ruben's Mon- Ruben's paintings. Yes, and Marilyn Monroe. She oh, was, she was no Twiggy. No, it's so it's so it's so sad. These anorexic women that are held up as the health. The number one food for for uh, New York models, Almond? cabbage soup. Oh, okay. cabbage soup. Well, maybe there's some fat in there, but I doubt not it. much. <laughs> Oh, I know. And, and what do you do if you go to a doctor and you have a problem like you're tired and exhausted, which they can't classify as a disease, although they're throwing it into chronic fatigue now. But if they can't, they just tell you, hey, go home and exercise. Lose weight and exercise. That cures everything. Yeah. I mean, we're living in the dark ages of preventative medicine. We haven't had healers for a century or more. Okay, so... Here's back to happens. the gallbladder. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I threw you a big curveball. No, it's okay. So the stomach is very acidic. The small intestine is very alkaline. The colon's very acid. Oh, and I skipped one. Your mouth is very alkaline. You don't get to adjust that. All this crazy alkalizer dye, Kagan water stuff, eat acidic food. You've got to acidify your body. Oh, no, you've got to alkalize your body. It's crazy making. You just need to eat what you crave, and then your body does what it does. It handles all this. Now, what is the controlling factor is your hormones. So that's, that's the part I love. I love to get into that. But right now, we're talking about gallbladder. So, so you eat the food. Your stomach, hopefully, is very, very acidic. It breaks down the proteins into peptides, and they go down into the small intestine. The pancreas starts spitting out these very, very alkaline enzymes to help further break down those proteins into amino acids. A big job, I might say, but it changes the pH. That's the other job the pancreas has, is to change the pH from acid to alkaline. So when the gallbladder spits out its bile, it can attach to the fat molecules. Now, the beautiful thing is the gallbladder only spits out as much bile as you need, because remember, it got tagged with the parotid glands up in your mouth. So that's a really good thing, because You don't want the acid to be neutralized in your colon. You want that colon to be very acidic because it's a dirty, nasty place, as we talked about before. So what happens if you get your gallbladder taken out? Well, we know that bile is made in the liver, Mm -hmm. and bile runs down the common bile duct from the liver directly into the duodenum. Small intestine. The, or excuse me, the, du- the small intestine has three pieces. I know. The duodenum, the jejunum, and the ileum. <clears throat> I had to say that because... <laughs> You're the forbidden doctor. Yeah, because... Yeah. <laughs> and at the duodenum, the beginning of the small intestine mm-hmm. is where um, bile will be released in the common bile duct, but the duct from the gallbladder called the cystic duct, which is what gets blocked when you have gallstones. Mm. The cystic duct, when the gallbladder goes through rhythmic contractions, as it will do about a half an hour after you've eaten. It'll start going through these rhythmic contractions to squeeze that concentrated, that very concentrated bile that's more concentrated than what's coming out of the liver all the time. And the rhythmic contractions of that will dump bile into the common duct that gets into the small intestine to emulsify fats, but also to trigger the release of 
more pancreatic enzymes. The pancreatic juice is what mm -hmm. they call it. Now, what happens when you don't have a gallbladder? You said if they've removed the gallbladder, that bile is constantly flowing all the time out of the liver, down the common bile duct, into the small intestine, constantly draining. And usually the liver only makes bile at night. But after you've had your gallbladder taken out, it takes a couple of years, but it catches on. That's why people that have had their gallbladder taken out say, oh, I can eat fat, no problems. Or they'll say, well, sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. They don't really know what the difference is. Well, it just has to happen. You might just be lucky that day. Your liver produced more and dumped it in. Or you had some bile in your small intestine when you ate that fatty food. And that's so critical because not only can't you emulsify fats, you can't emulsify and use and break down all the fat-soluble vitamins, which, by the way, are all the vitamins except for two, B and C. And some of the B vitamins are fat-soluble also. So you miss all those vitamins also. If you can't emulsify the fats right. properly, properly enough mm -hmm. so that you can get those little itty-bitty tiny globules of A, D, E, K into the body. As I couldn't. That's why I just got diarrhea. My body just said, whoops, let's just get this out of here. You're going to end up being vitamin deficient. Yeah, which I was, of course, when you met me. Vitamin A deficiency, you're mm -hmm. going to have skin problems, eye problems. Vitamin D, oh, I don't even want to think about that one. Yeah. Because you can't absorb calcium without vitamin D. If you don't have calcium, every system in the body will suffer from that. Yeah, and what do we have? Osteoporotic people everywhere. Vitamin E is the vitamin of the heart. Mm -hmm. Vitamin E is absolutely essential for proper heart function. Uh, what else do we have? K. We have K and K1, K2, vitamin K. Of course, everybody knows vitamin K for coagulation of the blood. K2 is absolutely essential for calcium transmission from the bloodstream into the bone to bone matrix to actually make strong skeletons. So if you've had your gallbladder out, you're going to be deficient in the vitamin absorption. Vitamins. Yes. And then it's going to be dripping the bile down through that Ooh, the small intestine. I don't like the word dripping. When you say that, I don't I, like I the sound urine like, dripping down your leg. I like hearing a dripping sink. <laughs> it's like hearing a dripping sink in the bathroom when you're trying to sleep at night. Yeah. Well, you know what? You know you know what made me think of the biggest disassembly line in the world? It was the invisible man. Did did you ever read The Invisible Man? And well, I saw the movie. <laughs> No, you got to read the I book. I saw several versions you of the You got to read movie. the book. It's good. And it, it when he he was invisible, of course. Even his clothes were invisible because he was wearing those when he went invisible. But when he would eat food, you could see the food digesting. And that's what gave me the the, the Is that in the original idea? <laughs> Is that in the original? I don't know, it's in the book uh, I read. Oh, it's in the book. Yeah. And they say in the book HG Wells's yes, book. He had to stand behind things when he ate because he would because wow. his stomach, you could see the food digesting. He said it was really gross and it grossed him out. Because, see here, that's, it, it digested it. Now, of course, this is true. It digested it down to the, 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 most, the biggest disassembly line in the world to where you couldn't even see it anymore. They, become, they became invisible. All his food became invisible. Wow. That's cool. See, that's where I get all my scientific knowledge from. H.G. Wells. <laughs> So, let's see. No, I lost my train of thought. That was a really cool... So, what happens? It goes down in the small intestine. It's just dripping, 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 kind of like the urine dripping down your leg if you didn't have a urine bladder. And it just drips down into the, the colon eventually, and it changes the pH from acidic, which is what the colon should be, to more alkaline, or it neutralizes, let's put it that way. Now, can I be a doctor here for a second? Uh -huh. There are volumes of studies from South Africa where they were comparing South African mine workers with colorectal cancer and those that didn't have colorectal cancer. They just, for some reason, picked that population. And you can go to Medline, you can go to PubMed, you search South Africa colorectal cancer, and you're going to find a very interesting thread that runs through all of that. Those men and women who were more prone to colorectal cancer had an alkaline colon. Mm -hmm. Those who had a, an acidic colon had far less, far, far less incidence of colorectal cancer than those who had an alkaline colon. Now, what will a constantly dripping bile do for you? Yeah. Ta-da! What's it do? It's going to neutralize the acid in your colon. I'm not going to go any further than that. It's going to give you an alkaline colon. Yeah. 
and all kinds of problems happen. Yes, because it can that. result. You do not want colon problems. You want a very acidic colon. And you want a very acidic colon so you can have a moist, soft, supple colon wall so you can exchange fluids yes. in there. Well, that's primarily what the, the, the second half of the colon is for, is dehydration mm-hmm. of the stuff moving through. Yeah. And no, you don't want that stuff. hard, impacted, yeah, stuff. We, yeah. Can, we could use that other word, but... So it comes in crap. very fluidy, very wet through the ileocecal. By the time it gets down to the bottom, it's pretty dry. Yeah. So, you know, that's what we want. Although you don't want light-colored stools and you don't want hard-impacted stools, of course, you want them to slip out almost, your stools to slip out almost as easy as, easily, as, easy as urine does. Yeah. That's that's a preferred, um, the Bristol stool chart. You should be between number four and number five. And I'm going to put on... You have a stool chart? I do. It's so lovely. We talk about bowels, bowel movements all day long in the clinic. It's great. But I'm going to put that at the bottom of the podcast, a um, protocol for the gallbladder. Oh, good. And one if you don't have a gallbladder. And the Bristol stool chart, so great. You're going to put you can get that a anywhere. picture of stool? Yeah, yeah. You can get it anywhere on the internet. I stole it. Oh, you know, okay. So. All right. All right. Yeah. If it's already out there. Yeah. If someone's already grossing people out, then, it's, then we can do it. So what doctor has ever asked you about your small intestine? Hello? Uh, Whoosh, none. You hear that? None. <laughs> they never asked me that. Yeah. The most they Im- say, where does it hurt? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's 600,000 cholecystectomies. Done. 600,000. Not 60,000. 600,000 done every year. Doctors doing, you know, well, I know of a doctor. I know of one doctor in particular who funds his kids' medical education with gallbladder removal. Yeah. You know, you do six, seven, eight of them a day. Yeah. Because it's a rather quick operation. And you remember that sign we saw at one of the hospitals, that digital sign where it says, tummy problems? After eating or stomach hurts after eating, I think it said. No, it had tummy in there. Tummy hurts after eating. I mean, it's so cute. You may have gallbladder problems. Yes. You know, and what is their cure? They're not healers. They're well, that's the what, not the why. Yeah. They're not asking. The patient doesn't say why. They say, the doctor says what. This is what's happening. Here's the symptom. Here's what we do about the symptom. Here's what they do. Take it out. Yeah. Here's what they do. Now, there are instances where it's life-threatening and you do have to get it taken out. For instance, the lady, if it truly was gangrene, which the report didn't show, that would be an instance. Well, if you have cancer, the gallbladder. Cancer, there you go. You, you know, there are exceptions yes, to this. Yes, there certainly are. And I will never, ever slam crisis care. That's absolutely a wonderful thing that they can do that, especially just having anesthesia. So you can do it without feeling it. But, you know, I mean, but 600,000 a year, come on. I mean, Come on. This is, they must be trained in medical school that the gallbladder is just a leftover evolutionary piece because that's what I hear from my patients all the time. Yes, during their first class of medical school, first semester, first class, they hold up a picture of a gallbladder. Doctors, <laughs> taking this out will pay your student loans. <laughs> oh, come, come. Okay, so let's see. We went over the um, fat soluble vitamins that you'll be missing if you lose your gallbladder. So that's another reason to take a really whole food, a good whole food multivitamin if you've had your gallbladder taken out. And just one little tidbit of information here, because we were talking about small intestines for a moment. I have a patient that's an RN and she works in the NEO, the NICU unit of the hospital. And forgive me if I've told the story before, but it's just so stunning that I... Oh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah, it's just so stunning. You know, they give every single baby Prilosec that comes in to the hospital um, that's in the NICU so because they they have, you know, immature digestive systems, so they're spitting so out So we're talking food. a month, two months premature. Yeah. Right. I guess. I mean, yeah. It's, it, it's incredible that they can save the lives of these yeah. babies. It's because of the malnourishment of the mother in most cases that yeah. she has premature delivery anyway. Yeah. But now she's delivering a malnourished child yeah. a month or two months early. They, do, they have, a, like you said, an incredibly immature digestive system. So they've got, you know, they've got to keep that down. And what the Prilosec does, um, some of those medicines, is it forces the pyloric valve to stay open so the food goes down into the small intestine. Why so, would it have to be forced? Because it's not broken down into peptides. It is not broken down. It's because down. that bag of acid hasn't right. done its job 
And so it's got to be forced open to get this undigested food into the small intestine. In an adult, though, that's so unfortunate. So that food will sit there and rot and putrefy and ferment in your stomach because you don't have enough acid. Da-da-da-da. Yeah, which is the exact opposite of what they tell you. Although the food does sit there and rot and ferment and putrefy and does create its own acid, which is different. And that will just, when that, when that valve at the bottom of your esophagus gets so paralyzed with so much bacteria, because you shouldn't have any bacteria to speak of in your stomach, it gets so paralyzed, the food just runs back up your throat. So you have to sleep sitting up. And That'll then, be a subject for another podcast. Mm-hmm, and the, the uh, heartburn podcast. Mm-hmm. And the pyloric valve slams shut. It's like, no way. Are you going down into my small intestine and beating up my cute little enterocytes down here and give me celiac disease where on my villi just get flattened and, and the mucus turns to plastic and all this terrible stuff. So, you know, the mucus that's trying to protect the little enterocytes down there, but um, eventually it just... Enterocytes? You're using words I don't understand. Oh. They're, they're cute little things. Here, here's a picture. Okay, I'll put it on the website. I'll put it at the bottom of the, of the podcast. And enterocyte is what? Enterocyte are little cells that are born every day down in the crypt, in the deep part between your villi in, in your small intestine. Oh. And they're, and they're pushed up the villi, and they die every night, and 127 billion of them come out of your colon every day, or should. So this is the lining of the small intestine. Yes. The idea is that the food moving through tears the surface of the the, the, the minuscule microscopic food. surface mm-hmm. pulls pulls these enterocytes with it as a part of what goes out of your body. Yeah, and if the food isn't pro- broken down properly in your stomach, it can also damage these villi. What happens if you eat oysters on the half shell? If you eat the they're shells, still alive, you know. You're in trouble. You have an oyster on the half shell. That poor little thing. <laughs> don't eat me! Don't eat me! It's sitting there, still alive. You put a little horseradish, cocktail sauce, Ooh, something on it. Like snot going down your throat. <laughs> so that would hurt your small intestine because you didn't chew it up? No. No? Because your stomach acids will take care of that little well, thing. Well, I hope so. Yeah. But, it will, but your pyloric valve will clamp shut and won't let anything down there. So, you're, so your body's like, hey, you know, the first rule is excretion. And, you know, it's just going to try and spit it up your throat which is so not comfortable. So we'll take something to neutralize that acid. I understand you have to do that, but you've got to fix the problem. And it can be fixed very quickly. That's the beautiful thing about the stomach or anything in the digestive tract. Those cells turn over almost every day, including the enterocytes. Some of them last maybe three days. I think I talked about this before with the gut. And those those enterocytes make the enzymes to break down the peptides into amino acids, and they also make all the B vitamins, and they also attach heavy metals to them, and they also make the neurotransmitters, and on and on and on and on and on. There's just incredible stuff that goes on in the small intestine. So you want to have hot stomach acids in your stomach. You know those sure. Pry- Prilosec and Nexium products at the f- in the fine print? And I show this in uh, my office when I have patients in there. And the Prilosec actually has at the bottom a disclaimer that says, do not take more than 14 That's days. That's right. I forgot do about that. Do not take more than 14 days. In case you didn't hear that, I've had patients in our clinic that have been on that for decades, and that's plural. My goodness. Decades. And they have osteoporosis, they have heart problems, they have endocrine problems. Because the proteins are not being broken down. Yeah. The Prilosec stops the digestion of proteins. Yeah. And their jaws fall off. I mean, there's studies that have been done of that. Hips break, all kinds of terrible, terrible things happen. Um, We had one guy that um, came into the clinic that had a 23-point drop on the test that I do, and drops are really, really bad. And um, he had been on Prilosec for 10 years. He'd been on a statin drug that stops the liver from making that life-saving cholesterol because he wasn't eating fat. Um, He'd been on that five years. And I remember you walking in and saying to his wife, do you have life insurance on this? Oh, yes. On your husband? Yes, I remember. Yeah, very, very scary. So fat is so critical. And the, the gallbladder is so critical to be healthy enough to contract and spit out the bile. Now, there's certain foods that can help you help the gallbladder. One of them is beets, the beetroot. Um, Standard Process has a great product called AF Beta Food or just plain old beta food. B-E-T-A food, beta food. Beta food. And um, it is it helps after if you have any belching or burping after meals, if you have constipation. It can help you lose weight. And why? Because you will emulsify your fats and they will be used for healing. 
Um, it also helps with food allergies, low blood sugar, and fatty liver. It helps decongest the liver. So it's it's a wonderful product. You now, mean food can heal us? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah, you know, plants have always been used for thousands of years for medicinal purposes, herbs and, of course, um, and then the fat and the protein of animals. But it's only been in the last 150 years that we have used, we synthesized these plants, these very powerful, you know, medicinal properties of plants and put them, made them into chemicals. And, you know, it's incredible force. And we don't like force in our office. So no. We don't even like discipline. We don't like force in our life. Yeah. We just want you to do what you desire. And what you desire, I don't have to force you to eat. So if we get the abnormal cravings out of your diet of sugar and you know, carbs, basically, you will crave mostly fat and protein and dairy and salt and spices, maybe a little fermented vegetables, but not much, mostly the, the meat, fish, eggs, and dairy. Last time I craved a fermented vegetable was a pickle when you were pregnant. <laughs> we also, there's another product that's full of herbs. It's called Digest and you get that from Standard Process, their Medi-Herb division, and it has um, dandelion in it. It's a detoxifying herb, and it improves bioflow, too, and it helps constipation. It has tangerine peel in it. That helps with bloating. Oh. And milk thistle, of course, helps your liver. Everybody knows that one. And ginger is for indigestion, gas, cramping, and it's a warming herb. And your digestion should be very warm. In Chinese medicine, they've got the cooling and the warming, and the warming is um, what ginger does. Then gentine root, um, it's a bitter stimulant, and it stimulates, stimulates acid and enzyme production. And chamomile, it's very relaxing, so you'll have a nice, relaxed digestive system. Well, what this boils down to is if you're having the kinds of symptoms that you just described, Mary, the doctors are going to want you to believe that your gallbladder doesn't work anymore and that there is something wrong with you. Nonsense. Mm -hmm. Absolute nonsense. It's your diet that has made your bile thick and syrupy, and that can change in just hours with the right food change. And it's our processed carb diets that have done this to us. Well, we don't It's our eat... instant box bag or, a, or yeah. a can diets that have done this to us because we're not eating real food anymore. And we don't eat anything but sugary foods. We don't get bitter. We don't get sour. We... Yeah, there's a reason nature put those four flavor or four food sensors on your tongue. Yeah. Salt, sweet, salt. bitter, and sour. That was the one I was thinking of. Yeah, salt is absolutely essential to life. Yeah. But these others trigger certain digestive processes to take place. You know, as we get older, our stomach doesn't produce as much acid as it used to. I think it's the way we die. We just can't break down the proteins. But that's because of all the processed foods. Yeah. Much, much faster. So we can get back to eating real food, which we'll do a podcast on before long. Yeah, so, so people that we know the people that get their gallbladders out young do not live long. We also know those that get their gallbladders out have much more incidence of um, colon cancers and heart problems, but you can't relate the two because they're so far apart. Right, right. But when you have your gallbladder out, if you're not taking something like bile salts, something called colocol, you're not going to get proper fat emulsification. You're not going to get proper fat absorption. Your heart will suffer if it doesn't get the fat that it needs because the heart muscle, cardiac tissue prefers fat for its energy source. But it's also those vitamins, those fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K, that you're going to be short of. And there's so many processes in the body that are reliable or or rely on and dependent upon the presence of those vitamins. So there's a certain malnutrition that begins to grow and grow and grow and develop in the body to the point where certain physiological functions don't occur. Right. And when they don't occur, when certain life processes aren't occurring, when certain enzyme uh, manufacturing slows down or stops, then there's other processes that stop as a result of that. And there's no one process by itself, as no man is an island. I think it was John Dunn that said that. There's no process in the body that occurs without cascading effects that take place after that. Yeah, hormonally. So, honey, as you know, red blood cells only live for about four months, Mm -hmm. and then they're destroyed by the spleen. The body is constantly turning that stuff over. Every 17 minutes, all the blood goes through the spleen. That's right. 
And the spleen has a job of sitting there kind of like on an assembly line, picking out things that can go into the Whitman sampler candy mm-hmm. box and the things that can't. And the things that can't get pushed off to the side for recycling. Part of the recycling of red blood cells is the uh, hemoglobin that is attached to the surface of the red blood cell, and that's what carries oxygen. Now, part of that hemoglobin is bilirubin, and bilirubin is toxic to the body in a free state. So when it's removed from the breakdown process of the hemoglobin, it is delivered in the blood back to the liver. And, the, it, and it gets worn out, right? After releasing oh, toxins. Oh, yes. You know, it, it, and th- that's absor- part of the recycling process I mean, of the red abs- blood cell. Absorbing oxygen yeah, and releasing. It, it has a job that it does, and like most things, it kind of wears out. Right. And that's part of the life cycle of the red blood cell is the life cycle of the hemoglobin. So bilirubin is left over, and like I said, when it's by itself, it's not good. It has to be removed from the body. So the liver will package that up in the bile, as well as excess estrogen, Mm -hmm. to get these things out of the body, out of through the uh, digestive system, and out of the body. It's very important for those of you with hot flashes. Yes. And breast cancers. Well, perimenopausal women who have problems with their periods, extra heavy flow, clotting, these kinds of things, estrogen overload. Mm -hmm. You want that bile to get that extra estrogen out of the system. And we will have another podcast on this that talks about the the brassicas vegetables that actually contribute to phase one and phase two of liver detox that are very important. And a wonderful study on that. Yes, there is. So hemoglobin is 95% water. It's got cholesterol. It's got choline, bilirubin, as I said. It has sodium, potassium, chloride ions, uh, calcium. All these things are designed to keep it flowing freely. And so the problem with our high processed carb diet is it has a way of altering that chemical mix that causes the bile to get thick and syrupy. And that's where a lot of the congested gallbladder problems come from. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we've been, um, as we have had experience with this, we know that beets, the the vegetable, the beet. The leaves. The the beet tops. Right. The root. The root. uh, Have a tremendous effect in thinning the bile Mm -hmm. and getting the bile to flow more freely. Because of the lecithin in them? The lecithin is, oh, I left that out. You're right. The lecithin and the choline. They break down the fats, Mm -hmm. just like bile does. Uh Emulsifiers. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. And will help to emulsify the cholesterol flowing through because the liver, you know, is the major cholesterol manufacturer of the body. And if you don't have cholesterol in your diet, the liver's going to make it. Right. If you have a lot of cholesterol in your diet, the liver doesn't make as much. But cholesterol is definitely a part of the bile itself. So there's a di- two different products, the AF beta food and the, just the plain old AF food. The AF beta food has vitamin A and vitamin F, and those help thin the bile. And then the beta food flushes the bile. Yes. So depending on what you're trying to do, I typically recommend AF beta food, but beta food all by itself, if you're trying to do a real detox, um, is really good to and they're take. And kind of, they're purpley colored like a beet, and they're sweet. You can chew them. You chew them up, about 9 to 12 a day. Within a week yeah. to 10 days, a lot of the gallbladder problems go away pretty quick. Yeah, I said 3 to 4 per meal, depending on what you're trying to yeah, do. Yeah, just chew them up. Mm-hmm. They're food. Okay. All right, thanks. So when you have your gallbladder taken out, you have a life sentence. That's a good way to put it. Of taking bile salts. Now, it is not ideal. You shouldn't have bile salts in your stomach. Your stomach should be very, very acid, and bile right. salts are very, very alkaline. So it's not ideal, but it's... What well, else are you going to do? You have no other choice unless unless you just happen to have enough bile in your small intestine from the liver, and who knows if you do. Now, one thing, you might have more in the mornings. So if you've had your gallbladder taken out, it would be smarter for you to have your fatty meal in the morning because typically your gall, your liver makes bile at night, but it gets it has an extra load on it when you have your gallbladder taken yes. out. So that doesn't help anything for fatty t- livers and everything else. So you want to make sure you eat a fatty meal in the morning and you have to take a bile salt. We um, Standard Process has one called Colacol. And another thing that I would very, very much recommend, maybe even more than Colacol or any bile salt, is lactic acid yeast wafers to keep that colon acidified so you don't have colon problems down the way. Now, back to the story. Um, the patient of our clinic that came in to see me, she 
went in 11 months later. She actually did do two gallbladder cleanses with me, which I don't like those, but she was in pretty bad shape. We right. did we did a bunch of stuff with her. Um, and um, she went back in. They did another CAT scan because her, her body had eaten her spleen. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> she had spleen antibodies in her bloodstream. It's crazy. Poor lady. And they wanted to see if her spleen was gone. And they CAT scanned, of course, her gallbladder also. And the report says gallbladder normal. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And the How many months? 11 months later. 11 months later. And the doctor went up to her and said, your gallbladder looks like a 16-year-old's. <laughs> Isn't that something? She goes, do you, do you remember what you told me 11 months ago? Of course, no. You told me it was gangrene, and oh, you told me we had we, to get it taken uh, out the next day. We must have misdiagnosed it. <laughs> That's what they usually say. So that was a beautiful story. And I got my gallbladder working again. I can now have all the crab legs in the world. Can I, can I say? Can I, can I say? Oh, gee whiz. <laughs> yes, go ahead. You proposed to me outside of a crab shack. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't super super <laughs> romantic, but but that's what I was it, it I wasn't love. in Marseille yeah. in the coast <laughs> of the Mediterranean. Oh, yeah, I think I think it I was in Marseille, that. France. I think that was a few years later, baby. But oh, oh, okay. Yeah, but right. but isn't that beautiful? Because I did love fat. I was I loved it, loved it, loved it. But I was told all my life to not eat fat. I thought it would make me fat, which is that's a very a uh, common misunderstanding it is not fat that makes you fat. It is sugar, sugar that makes you fat. Yeah. So again, to wrap up, so you can tell your mother that wants to get their, her gallbladder taken out. Listen to this podcast yeah. first. <laughs> That's in so much pain. It is life-threatening to take out your gallbladder. Your brain won't work well if you can't emulsify your fats. Um, you, your, your skin will crack and get dry. You, you won't... You Not to mention your endocrine problems, well, because all all endocrines are protein fat uh, uh, manufactured. Every cell in the body requires fat. Uh, the phospholipid barrier that surrounds every every uh, cell of the body, uh, phospholipid meaning uh, the, the, well, it's a it's a fat and a phosphorus combination that comes together that is hydrophobic. It hates water. That's why you don't dis, you don't come apart like a cracker when you get in the tub. That's right. You know you see you know you can get a little wrinkly, a little pruny, <laughs> but you don't just parts of you go floating off in different <laughs> directions like a cracker does on a hot bowl of uh, chicken noodle soup. Yeah, yeah. It's because the fat that's in those cells, the walls of those cells, protect you against water. It keeps water where it's supposed to be, and it makes sure it doesn't go where it's not supposed to go. Your eyesight, just that little thing. eyesight. Yes. Yeah, so you tell everybody this. You tell everybody about The Forbidden Doctor. By the way, we just made it to the new <sighs> and noteworthy That's right. in iTunes. Yes. So this is amazing. Congratulations. You, you listeners Mary, out congratulations. Yeah, I think after is. six or seven podcasts, that's all. Yeah, you I'm, made it to new and noteworthy at iTunes. so fantastic. So we might be getting the word out there. Save your gallbladders. Tell your brothers. Tell your daughters. Tell your aunts and uncles and grandpas and grandmas. But unfortunately, it's young people that are getting their gallbladders out. Oh, yeah. If, you, if someone tells you that you need to have your gallbladder out because you have some gallbladder pain, how, should I talk about catnip for just a second? Yeah. Yeah, real quick? Yeah. Because I had a very bad gallbladder attack a number of years ago. About eight years ago. Oh, it put me right down on the floor, crying like a baby. Ten years ago. It was almost as bad as what I understand a kidney stone is like. And what did you do? Well, I, I went looking through some... I was on the floor crying, <laughs> and I went looking through some herbal books I had. And there was this one book that talked about catnip. And it said to take... You know, you want a liquid version of catnip. And it said to put 20 drops of catnip in a cup of very, very hot water, just like a super hot, as hot cup as you of can tea, stand. as hot as you can stand, and drink that down. And he said, if that does not get rid of your gallbladder pain in 20 minutes... I'll put your name in my next book. It was gone in 20 minutes or less and has never been back, and that was years and years ago. Well, that's right after we had our son, so it must have been many years ago. Oh, it was many years. Maybe it was a decade, at least a decade or more. Oh, maybe yeah. more, it's more than that. So I will, put, if, I will put at the bottom of this podcast the gallbladder cleanse, which we have pretty We've perfected it. I've pulled a whole bunch of different gallbladder cleanses into one. But you have to promise me, promise, 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 and a million, million sacred things to you that you will do fast food liquid or apple cider juice. I mean, excuse me, apple 
juice, which I don't like that because there's a lot there's of sugar. There's a lot of sugar in apple yeah, juice. Yeah, I don't really like that. But at least you'll do fast food liquid, um, 40 drops three times a day for at least three days before you do the gallbladder cleanse to soften those stones. Because if you don't soften those stones and you punch that gallbladder with a bunch of oil, you could get one of those stones stuck or it could rip your bile ducts. Yes. Very dangerous. So you make sure, that's a huge disclaimer, you make sure that you do the fast food liquid three days before, and then I'll put it at the bottom. I'm, oh, great. I should make them Good. sign something. Well, <laughs> you know, it's, it, this, is, this is a very, very important part of the Forbidden Doctor that we're doing this because of 600,000 gallbladder removals a yeah. year inside the United States. I just got a call last week from a, a frantic patient of ours, of the uh, pa- patient of the clinics, that said their brother was on the way to the hospital to get their gallbladder taken out. They're like, call him up, call my brother, tell him. And yes. I'm like, no, no, no. No, no, no. sorry. We, you know, we don't... We tell don't... him to listen to this podcast, but it's a little and late And then feel guilty. Him. But so if you have had your gallbladder taken out, you need to make sure you supplement with a good whole food multivitamin for the fat-soluble vitamins you'll be missing. You will need to take um, extra bile salts when you eat a fatty meal. We recommend Colacol or Choline, which is a little gentler. That's for people that have... Choline is a product of your own bile manufacturing to keep the cholesterol fat that's in the bile liquid. Yeah, so if you were thin. to add choline with the diet, mm-hmm. that would be a natural thing to do. You could do that. Even if you have your gallbladder, I often recommend that to patients to have choline with each meal Yes. to help them break up the fats and then lactic acid yeast wafers. Those are critical. And so, digest. Digest and this, is a this great This will herbal. all be enumerated at the end of this podcast. Which I'll put together. Along with the transcript. And I think that'll do it, baby. Okay. This has been great. Keep your gallbladders out there, guys. Yes, yes. And gals. This, no matter how bad that pain is, we can take care of it. We can reduce the pain and get back to normal gallbladder function in a matter of days, two weeks. Yes. By just following what you've said. Yep. All right, everybody. Do you want colon cancer? Or then you better keep that gallbladder. Yeah. And if you like the podcast, please go give us a five-star rating. And go if you would like us to answer questions on future podcasts, go to our website, ForbiddenDoctor.com, leave your question there, and we will have a segment in future podcasts that answer questions. And at the end of this podcast, transcription of the entire discussion and protocols that we recommend to help an ailing gallbladder Can we download as, it? and get you back in shape so gallbladder pain is a thing of the past. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Forbidden Doctor podcast and Mary's and My Health Secrets. Now, here's where you can help us help mankind by giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. We really want to join Jimmy Moore, Bulletproof Executive, Lear Keith, and all the other revolutionaries in saving your families with the forbidden truth about self-healing. Please like us on Facebook and follow on Twitter at Forbidden Doctor. More information is available at ForbiddenDoctor.com or call us at 866-867-5070. We answer calls. These podcasts are provided for information only. The previous statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Nothing that was said is intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.